I'm Katie Litchfield, the founder of Weekwell, and you are listening to the Weekwell Unfiltered Podcast, CEOs Uncut, proudly supported by the Wall Street Journal Barron's Group. Four years ago, I left my job of 18 years to set up Weekwell because I'd had enough of standing by and watching women getting passed up for those top global executive committee roles. Now, Weekwell is on a mission to achieve 50-50 gender equality at the top of the world's largest companies. Joining me today is the president of a worldwide food brand who has made it his mission to turn the 170-year-old icon into a nutrition and wellness company that leaves the world in a better place for future generations. Prior to joining Dole, he has been the president of Unilever for Southeast Asia and Australasia. He joined Unilever and its board of directors in 2019. He's also served as a non-exec director of Rexel and was a board member of Ben & Jerry's too. An Italian who has three daughters with his master chef wife, he once said, I love food. It's truly part of my heritage. If I can be proud of something that I can bring home to my girls, then I feel my life has not just fulfilled a professional purpose, but a social one. And that's what matters most. Welcome to Weekwell, Pierluigi Sigismondi. Firstly, for our listeners, I wonder if you might explain a little more about Dole's history and how Dole's Sunshine Company fits into the brand. So thanks, for, first of all, for having me in this uh, podcast, Katie. So um, Dole is a 170-year-old company and has written industry in the food sector by providing one of the first um, um, solutions for consumers to have fruits in a preserved way around America. And we enjoy that legacy even today when not only we have similar products and where those that were created by James Dole back in 1851, when he was acquired by another company, but also um, when actually we see that the values of providing good nutrition as communities were developed at the time, both in Hawaii, then the US, Latin America and around the world are still preserved today. So we, we share the same values. And actually when we went back to see what could be the purpose of our company today? We went back to the history books to ensure that not because I arrived to the company now suddenly we have a set of new purpose and values, but that we built in our history so we could continue from that legacy moving onwards. So today, Dole is a company that wants to be modern, advanced in the area of nutrition and wellness, and hopefully with a very strong and meaningful role in society that is what takes us out of bed every single day. You recently said the pandemic has made you, both personally and as a company, recognise that we cannot go back to business as usual. That is time for a change of direction, of responsibility and of accountability for the business. What does that mean? In the middle of the pandemic, I remember looking at the sky and, uh, and this is a real story that makes my skin feel different now, with my second daughter, Sophia, and we were actually in a lockdown and she asked me, is that what it takes to have a better world with a blue sky and suddenly everything being clean, no noise, and that sense of a better planet where animals can actually be free and, and things can be much better. Um, 
And that was actually so much that it resonated with me that uh, we ended up producing a video uh, with this little girl, teenager, asking the leaders of the war, is this what it takes to have a better world where, you know, cheap trees are being chopped uh, with actually being replanted again, where you see fires, where you see animals not being able to be free and so on. So, so much that it was quite... Um, an important moment in our life, because that's when I said we cannot continue assuming that um, the ways in which we live our lives and do business uh, can continue as such. And that's when uh, we ended up not only launching that video that I would be happy to share with you later on, but also the, the doll promise, which is when we said our purpose is to champion for a more equitable world, where no, no, no matter where people come from, what kind of age, social group, gender, uh, and actually any preferences and religion they have, they all, they all have the right to access good food as a human right. And uh, especially when it comes to the goodness of the earth. With that purpose in mind, we launched the Doe Promises. And we said, we, went to, we want to provide access to 1 billion people of good nutrition, which means providing that sort of like basic privilege that we all have, but in a way that we make it affordable, accessible, and acceptable by as many consumers as possible without actually having products that have artificial ingredients, processed sugars, because we come from a legacy of a company that came with a beautiful brand that was made out of the goodness of the earth. And we said, let's go back to that history. Let's celebrate the fact that nature provides all the nutrients that humans need in order to live better and longer. So we decided to remove all artificial ingredients, clean our labels, and then track our supply chain so we could take all the waste out of our system and convert that waste into good nutrition. How much can we accept waste in our supply chain when we praise the fact that humans deserve good nutrition as a human right? So we said by 2025, we'll clean our labels, we'll actually remove any fruit losses from our supply chain, as we also work in our packaging solutions to remove fossil fuel-based plastics from our uh, portfolio, as we become also net zero in terms of carbon emission in the operations that we control by 2030. We're now bringing that forward to 2025. All these with a mission for us to improve livelihoods and bring value not only to our shareholders that we want to keep improving, of course, because they expect returns, but also our stakeholders in our extended supply chain so we can make a business that is so meaningful for everyone to feel proud of it and also feel like not only we're living a business that is much more uh, successful financially, but also that has a meaning for the world. And it has been a major uh, factor for us to recruit great talent who is joining us to be part of this purpose journey, which is only early days, but so far it's been very energizing. So that's what the, the pandemic brought to us, the need to actually pivot and understand that doing business as usual is not possible anymore. So we accelerated the change of the transformation of our business that wants to have a brand that is in uh, an iconic brand as a nutritional wellness company that has that mission in the world that is a sincere one for us to leave a great, a great impact to humanity. And tell me, how old is your daughter? I have three, actually. I'm You've surrounded three. by women at home. <laughs> <laughs> So I have uh, Sabrina that is 26 years old, uh, Sophia who is 19, and Stefania that is 15. So all wonderful, blonde, beautiful girls that 
actually are lucky enough to look like their mother. And uh, even the dog is female at home. So <laughs> and I cannot be more lucky to actually be surrounded by so many, so many women in life. I've got... I've got two daughters as well, 12 and 14, oh, and God two uh, female dogs as well, and a female cat. So I'm in your world. <laughs> yes. I ended up bringing Leo to the family because I needed a male at home. And so he gives me company <laughs> once in a while, indeed. Um, I thought this quote from The Alchemist by uh, Paolo Coelho, which appeared on your social media profiles recently, was very interesting. There is only one thing that makes a dream impossible to achieve, the fear of failure. What does that mean to you? Failure makes you wiser and, and setbacks make you stronger. So there is no journey in business life, if I can speak about that for a minute, that is absent of failures. And if you are so afraid of them, you will never take risks. You will never go the extra mile. You will never give yourself a t an objective, a goal that is seen as impossible at that time. But that's how you make extraordinary things, by trying and not being afraid of failure. Uh, I think that we all need to learn from our mistakes. Uh, in our company, we have the credo called fail forward, because it means that we want to learn from the attempts that we make in trying new things, new ways of working, hiring new people that are so different than us, and then learn from that and keep ourselves open-minded so we can keep evolving as we move forward. So uh, those who don't take risk don't go far. No guts, no glory, as I say. So that's, that's who we are. That's what we're trying to be. I used to call them uh, work bungee jumps. Mm. Yes, <laughs> scary but fun, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Actually, there is a great documentary on Netflix that I would recommend you to really see. It's called Free Solo. And okay. it's made out of the history, the story, the real story of a climber, a rock climber that actually does that without any harness. And uh, I can tell you, you can train your brain to actually look for possibilities and not be so afraid of failure. So much that you, in that case, you will, of course, face the, the biggest consequences of all, which is to lose your life. So I usually use that as an inspiring model for us to keep trying, raising our standards and our goals every time without looking down or backwards, feeling that if the worst goal happens, then you're basically gone. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to be foolish not to train yourself, not to understand the risk, not to sort of build that muscle, that competence to succeed. You cannot be so stupid to actually not understand what the risk is. But I always say you have to play to win instead of playing not to lose. And that's how you achieve the greatest satisfaction in life. Totally agree with you there, Pierluigi. With such a big goal, how are you able to stay present with your family and protect your own energy? What's your top tips in this? Well, I meditate every single morning. And I try to be as present as possible in every single location where I'm, where I'm actually on. Uh, for me, that's been the latest learning out of COVID as well, by the way. The, the, the notion of being mindful to understand the here and now, to live the present and to enjoy the common things and that around you that can give you happiness. So, so much that now when I walk on the street, when I play golf, I look at trees, I look at birds, which is something I didn't notice before. I remember being in a holiday resort once and I had no memories. And I said, how can you live your life in a way that it goes so fast 
that you don't have memorable things that you can remember for your life and your happiness. So, so for me, being present, being here and now is absolutely essential. And I practice that as much as I can, of course, easier said than done, but that's, my, that's the journey that I'm on at this point in time. So that gives you strength, it gives you resilience, and, and hopefully can take me f- as far as possible that as I would like to in life. And interestingly, about the meditation in the morning, how long do you do it for? I mean, I know you can get benefits from even just doing a minute, but in general, what is your aim in the morning? How long to meditate for? Between 15 to 20 minutes. It doesn't take that long. So I read my newspapers in the morning. I'm an early bird, so I wake up around 5.40 in the morning. So I, I do my religious activities, which is all about and reading the newspapers, having a healthy breakfast, and then going for that quick meditation that will set me here and will allow me to, to accept things that are out of my control as something that pass by, as if it's something that I have to accept and then let them go and then continue with my day as if things that I cannot control will not be essential for me. So it has, it has given me a lot of strength, I have to say. Family also keeps you honest and it keeps your feet on the ground. So sometimes I come home expecting a hug, expecting a reward, expecting uh, nice comments. And they're like, okay, here you are. So here's dinner. Uh, and you're just like a common person like anyone else. And, um, and that allows me to say, yeah, there are things in life which have to be taken in perspective. And whilst in jobs, uh, you could feel like you're relevant Sometimes in the family you are, but, uh, or obviously you are, but that doesn't mean that you have to be the center of the attention all the time. So that's the wisdom that women bring to my life. And I, I accept that. <laughs> what do you think makes a great leader? A uh, great leader is someone that is made out of three uh, essential elements. Uh, one is humility. Uh, the second one is self-confidence. And the third one is ambition. I need the right balance between the three. Uh, if you're actually too humble and not self-confident, you will not build leadership or followership. Uh, if you are too self-confident and, and not humble enough, you end up becoming arrogant. And when you lack ambition, if you're too humble, you basically end up being yourself a follower. So I think the right balance between the three is absolutely essential for you to progress in life. And the skill number one that I look at leaders all the time is their ability to listen. Um, I always worry when I'm talking to someone that is already thinking about the answer, being defensive, not necessarily taking notes. Uh, And that, that allows me, that basically tells me one thing, this individual struggles to learn and grow. And you cannot be a great leader if you don't, uh, if you don't allow yourself to listen to your people accepting that they might be pushing back on you, that they might have a different point of view and take that as a, as a gift rather than as a challenge and then move from there. So for me, that combination of humility, ambition and self-confidence with listening skills is what people are always uh, expecting uh, from great leaders. And that's what I try to exercise myself every single day. Far from being what I want to be, but I'm working on it. That's excellent advice, really is. What do you look for when you are hiring for your executive committee? People with ambition, I always ask them, what takes you out of bed every single day? What would you like to be in five years from now? Um, What gives you energy? Um, And the answers for me are essential because more than IQ, 
which is what qualifies you from your CV and where you come from, what makes people different is the ambition for them to do something meaningful, bigger than themselves. Uh, so I love people that would tell me, I would love to have your job one day, or how can I become you know, a great leader in the company? Um, for me, ambition is important, uh, but also it's the sense of the meaning of your life, as much as you can disclose it, combined with the meaning of your job. And when there is alignment between the two, you can end up doing amazing things. And, um, and I think that in my case, if I may, my personal purpose is built to last. It has nothing to do with the book. I'm a son of immigrants. My parents left Italy when they were, my, my dad was actually a teenager. And they always lived their lives thinking that there would be a brighter future, that they would deserve by working hard and being themselves as good as possible. Um, hard work, strong values, and all centered in earning your future with the hard work that you deploy today. So for me, leaving a legacy behind and actually working hard in order to do something that is meaningful is absolutely essential. And I like to somehow connect that as I do with building the company that I work for for many more decades. Uh, that's why I was proud of being in the likes of Nestle and Unilever in the past. And that's why all of them, including Dole, are more than 100-year-old companies. It's not a coincidence that I end up working for this kind of, you know, longevity and successful business in the long term. Because for me, it's all about building the future and leaving a legacy behind that is actually much better than when I came into the job. Same thing is for friendships and relationships and values, where you have to think that for a relationship that is worthwhile, you, you can do your best to build it for life. And, and I think those, those are the kind of values that we preach that at least I practice every day. And that's why I love the mission that I own right now, because it's all about building a brighter future by working hard and earning that future with the hard work that we actually do today. So the combination of why am I here today? Um, what is what takes me out of bed? What is what I want to achieve that is perhaps bigger than myself? And how do I connect that with sources of energy in this very challenging, very complex world? Is what keeps you going, makes you resilient, and that allows you to succeed in the long term. And uh, I think that's what I ask people all the time. Of course, we do the checks and the referrals about EQ um, as well. But for me, it's all about that having that combination of uh, humility and, and ambition at the same time, as I said before. Do you find yourself managing women in a different way than men? Or do you find people manage women in a different way than men? And has the management of women changed in your view over the years? That's a great question. Um, honestly speaking, no. If I look at the people that I've met just today, um, I feel like uh, women want to be treated um, with the same values and the same respect like anyone else. They don't want to be uh, seen as being disadvantaged. They don't want to be seen as being weak. Quite the contrary, I would say, women don't understand what giving birth means. Um, women can be much stronger than us. So. Having that notion of being delicate or being sensitive about how you deal with women, in my view, doesn't apply. 
And the same thing is for men, actually. I, I, I enjoy working with women because they put things in perspective and they have the charming style and the way of dealing with you in a way that can just bring all your negative energy down very quickly, uh, a smile, a joke, um, and also things, again, in perspective, uh, complement the strengths that we have as men. So the, the beauty of dealing with a diversified organization is that you, you can really enrich yourself by different perspectives. And I always say that for you to be followed, for you to be trusted, you need to be yourself. And I cannot be different if I'm dealing with a man versus dealing with a woman. For me, I am who I am. And I have to, perhaps on the individual himself or herself, knowing that certain things will not be liked is totally gender aseptic. It's the fact that some people like a different style if you're in Asia than whether you're in the Western world, where perhaps being more candid, more direct, will land the message better. But uh, that has nothing to do with gender in my view. Uh, and I think it's great because at the end of the day, we're all unique. We all want to be treated specially, but not because we come from where we come from, but because who we are. And that's, that's what I believe is the case. Now, as a senior leader, what advice would you have to other leaders to ensure that women are listened to and represented at the highest levels of leadership? I think sometimes women come across as, um, of course, they have different set of values. Let me give you an example. Uh, in my humble view, uh, you women don't necessarily push hard for compensation, uh, mm -hmm. for a promotion. You believe that that's something that will come over time, uh, that the organization needs to understand, uh, that if they're fair, they will provide to me. Uh, and in being a mentor of uh, so many women in my career, I've always given them that push, that you know, additional drop of confidence to say, it isn't your right to actually ask for what is what I need in order for, to be promoted uh, as soon as possible? What is what I need in order to deserve a compensation adjustment? So uh, in my view, um, we, we need to understand that. And perhaps a soft voice in the room doesn't necessarily mean a weak point of view. Um, as we grow profession, as we become wiser, we need to learn how to listen to people and then distill the message that is being landed, no matter what the tone of that message is, no matter what the uh, words are being used. And I think that's, in my view, essential. Now, uh, we need flexibility um, because I mean, you carry responsibilities at home that sometimes we men don't understand. And, and I love the fact that the world has evolved so fast in allowing, you know, time flexibility. One of the positive things about COVID is that now suddenly working from home is perfectly acceptable, at least in our organization. I hope the news of uh, certain companies will not be so loud in terms of, you know, hardcore kind of work. You need to be present in the office. That's the style that we had, you know, 10 years ago. Uh, now we believe that you can contribute to the business, to the company, even if you're not physically present, but mentally very strongly present. So uh, I think that's fantastic for women that have the, the great role at home to actually bring kids up as much as we men should do as well. But, you know, I come from a very traditional family, um, Southern Italians, born in Latin America. 
where dad was actually giving the bread and butter to us. And with, from that origin, I have learned that by being flexible, allowing everyone to have their own space, men or women, uh, you know, it's, it's when you get the best from people. And at the end you win if everyone is giving their best. And if that is by working from home, working part-time, uh, it's fantastic. And that's the kind of maturity we all need in business in order to get the best from our people, women included, not just only them. How important do you think WeQuel's mission of pushing for 50-50 gender equality at the executive committee level is? I think it's important, um, but I'm not hung up with the number itself, to be honest with you, Katie. I think that there are cycles in business where you might have more women than men represented or less. Mm -hmm. uh, what matters is the values that you embrace in order to provide meritocracy in an organization where whoever is capable and has the biggest uh, value to add is what is the person that takes the job. So uh, we want to have a balanced, inclusive, diversified organization. And it's not just about gender. It's also about culture, religion, race, values. Um, we, you know, we, we don't have homosexuality in our business in the Western world whatsoever. For us, it's perfectly spoken and, and actually celebrated. Um, same as for gender. I think it's important that everyone has the space to be oneself. And for me, uh, it's been a great pleasure working with women. Actually, my head of the US, uh, my head of Europe are both women, my head of marketing and innovation, uh, Dole Ventures, um, the future CFO that is starting in January, head of nutritional wellness science, they're all women. Not to mention the marketing teams and R&D teams are predominantly women. Actually, I said poor men that are a minority there. And that's something that we celebrate because they bring the different kind of creativity that we need to understand our consumers who tend to be majority women as well. So it's important, um, but I would not hang myself into that metric that I have to measure rigorously. So much that if you ask me honestly, I, I could have prepared myself better for this interview with this podcast, but I don't know the percentage of women in our organization. For me, it's like something of the past with all due respect. Now, I understand that you need to start with a goal in order to get the culture and the, and the, the, the entire organization going, but we have passed that stage. Um, when I interview people, I don't provide a brief about um, gender. I said, bring the best. And if those best are women, I would say welcome because I love working with women. If not, it means that may, many other functions could be uh, represented by women. I forgot to mention our head of HR. So if I, if I look at my 15 direct reports, seven are women today. Uh, did I do that on purpose? No, it came out of meritocracy and the fact that they were perfectly qualified to do the job. And I, I love that. So. Uh, I don't want to sound arrogant, but for us, that 50-50 and that metric has, was essential at the beginning of this very uh, inspiring journey. But for us, it's, it's not, it's not, it's not uh, something that we measure anymore. 
This is so good to hear. And I wish um, this was the same in companies worldwide. And unfortunately, it's not. So I think they have a lot to learn from you. Um, what would you say are the key obstacles that you've faced over the years? Because obviously, you're now at this point. But what are the key obstacles um, you faced over the years to actually making sure that women were coming to be interviewed for those jobs? Uh, and the headhunters were actually managing to find women for those roles. Did you put anything in place? Um, ever since I was with Unilever in supply chain, I remember we engaged with Claire Williams, the deputy um, Formula One uh, of Williams Racing Team. And we, we worked closely with her, Susie Wolf, to actually in, invite women to enter in the world of engineering, which is one of those hardcore professions that perhaps will not attract that kind of uh, creative mind. Um, so, but it, it was not a challenge. We said we, we need to bring more women into our, in, into our organization because supply chains have, in the past uh, were predominantly men dominant at the time. And, uh, and I would say that that was one of the things that inspired us the most. Learning from people like Claire, like Susie was exciting. It was an amazing venture. Um, I think today uh, there might be some unconscious bias, um, which is the kind of thing that is hard to read when someone says no to that specific candidate. Um, and, and you could hear things like, well, she doesn't have a cultural fit or her personality is a little bit different than our usual. So you have to be able to, to sort of sense when someone is uh, disqualifying someone out of just pure, you know, subconscious or judgment calls, which are not that clinical, if I could say so. Uh, for us, the best way to overcome that is by having a diversified team that invites candidates to come across. And I'm not the only one to interview people. Um, for instance, in, in our new CFO joining us, uh, Jenny, our head of HR, was actively involved and I listened to her advice more than anyone else. Our recruiter at the executive search firm was made by uh, a couple of men that were involved in the process. So we, we listened and at the end, we, we end up measuring as much as possible the attributes of the individuals. But I think unconscious bias is still there today. And so some people just get off the list out of their own style. And, and I would say, let's actually look at people that, that have worked with them closely. Let's understand those detailed referrals because those are the ones that will tell you what the true person behind that interview is. And as I always say, you never know the true color of people uh, until they are in the trenches with you. And I have found that to be my major learning in the past few years. You have people with great CVs that would not embrace the same values or pragmatism that you need in business at, one, at times. And, and I think that's the only thing that I would say. Make sure that when someone gives you an opinion about an individual, man or woman, that you, you understand objectively why is that person not qualified. I just want to mention about the unconscious bias because there's sometimes people think that unconscious bias is actually conscious but actually it's quite a nice label to put on it. So it's kind of like, oh no, it's not my fault. It's unconscious, I'm not aware of it. Whereas actually that they are aware of it, but they still go to go down that avenue. What's your opinion on that? 
Yeah, you're right. I mean, sometimes you need to call it out. Um, I think people might not be that uh, clear about that. Um, whether it's conscious or not, it is what they think someone is not qualified just because of a different style. And, and I think that's what we need to call out. Now, you, you need a set of values and ways of working, uh, being ambitious, being um, aggressive. And sometimes um, women could come across as not embracing them because they're much wiser looking at life holistically beyond just work alone. Um, but in terms of what they can bring to the company and the agenda, the transformation that we are, it can be absolutely phenomenal. So, yeah, I, I, I'll reflect further on what you said, but, but I think at the end of the day, what matters the most is that in your recruitment process, you have individuals who are different interviewing the person and that you don't try to copycat or have the same culture uh, uh, because then you become uh, somehow insular in your approach to business, I would say. So let's talk about the women who've inspired you. Uh, mentioned about your three daughters, but career-wise and life in general, um, who is there any particular women that have inspired you? And if so, how? Well, I would say, first of all, and I say this with a bit of emotion, is my parents and my mom, uh, the, she was the first person that truly inspired me in life because in her views, having gone from Italy to Venezuela uh, as an immigrant post-World War II was quite a traumatic experience. And I still remember her crying on those few phone calls made to my grandmother, wishing to go back one day and also pushing us hard to, um, you know, become someone one day. And uh, it was a combination of her ambition with my dad's humility, because he was a carpenter. He ended up having a business selling wood and in a lumber shop that uh, provided that balance in my life between ambition and humility, which is what I then over time um, managed to combine with self-confidence. That's my secret of how much I've gone far in life, personally and professionally. So my mother was absolutely inspiring and an influence, influencer in my life because she always said, you can become someone one day, you have the potential, you just have to go and, 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 and aim for that. Um, I would say on the uh, more social life, but related to work, I remember uh, an issue that we had in Kericho in Kenya, in our tea plantations, where unfortunately many women were being abused. Um, and I'm talking about a decade ago. And um, that, was, that was actually shocking, but I saw on them Despite their sad eyes, I saw them uh, being strong, being resilient, and still wanting to push for a family, um, you know, uh, achievements in life. They still aim to have their children being well-educated. Well so I felt that their, their inner strength, having been exposed to those traumatic experiences, gave me the true colors of what being strong and resilient is about and how powerless you can be when you're in the hands of few disgrace uh, moments in life or individuals that can actually make you suffer so much. So that, that was um, um, quite a unique experience. And I, I have to say there were a few moments in my life when I cried at work, and that was certainly one of them, when I had so many of these women sharing their experiences. 
Then in the world of uh, what you look at today, whether it's in politics with Angela Merkel, the Queen Elizabeth, the past Queen Elizabeth and her resilience, her absolute determination to work for the nation and for another uh, purpose that was bigger than herself was actually monumental. We're very close to the agenda that Michelle Obama has been driving in the war of balance and good nutrition in America, which is devastated by the unbalance that people face between food insecurity and bad nutrition at the same time. We often quote her as the inspiring model of what it takes to actually play politics for social good beyond uh, the standards. So when you look at Oprah Winfrey, um, I think she's also been amazing in terms of authenticity um, and what it takes to come out and share your own uh, experience in life uh, in the way that makes you real, makes you real be beyond being a celebrity uh, herself. I bought shares in Facebook thanks to Sheryl Sandberg because she truly set a model in terms of uh, business development that it's been hard to see in, in that dimension as she did with Facebook. So I could go on with more names, but I think generally speaking, um, the fact that women put always the interest of the company first, generally speaking, I don't like stereotyping people, but I think that what I love about women at work is that they're truly on a mission to contribute, to make a difference and to think more altruistically than for their own interest. And that's why I think sometimes they, they are disadvantaged because they don't fight necessarily for themselves, but more for the biggest cause, which is company, family, and, and systems which are beyond individuals themselves. And I have to celebrate them for who they are and then say thank you because uh, that diversity, those values is what makes humanity great and our company so far on a good track for the transformation that we're embracing right now. Thank you. That's a fantastic answer. And exactly that, when we speak to the weak worlds and women around the world, absolutely, they do put their company first. The loyalty is absolutely incredible. Um, as a company, Weekwell helps talented and ambitious senior women reach the C-suite. If you could give these women one piece of career advice, what would it be? Uh, be yourself. If, if you have to put a mask, pretend that you're acting uh, stronger than who you are in a male-dominant style, um, if, if you cannot say what your values are, uh, you're not in the right place. Uh, and although it's easier said than done, uh, as much as it applies for me, um, people will listen and trust you when you speak from your heart, when you're being yourself, um, when you have nothing to feel weak or ashamed about. Um, I don't like pink colors at work. Uh, I think that although they embrace a specific culture, um, you, you can come with any colors. I mean, you can be a beautiful woman in the most natural way and in how you're dressed and how you, you come across. So uh, I, I would not uh, want to see women pretending to be who they are not out of the pressure that they get, the, the peer pressure that they get from their colleagues or the organization itself. There, there must be a, a company out there that is more than willing to embrace and hire you for who you are. And I think that's, in my view, also a secret of uh, great leadership. When you speak from your heart, 
when you are telling what your truth is and when you strive for it. And, uh, and I think that's at the end of the day what I would give them as an advice. Um, and then sometimes you have to speak up for your own interest as well, because it's in, in today's very competitive you know, environment, you, you need to position yourself as someone that also wants the job, that wants to get there at the top. And I think that, that combination, in my view, which is authenticity but ambition, ambition set in the true meaning of the word, which is, you know, stand for who you are and then fight for it is what will make women get very long in life, very far in life, sorry. Totally agree with you there. Be your true, authentic self. Finally, what would you want your legacy to be? Listen, when we started this journey at Dole, um, we saw a company that had um, a challenge in terms of growth, both top and bottom line. So, and it was more anchored in the past rather than looking forward into a new future. So if you ask me, my legacy would want to be uh, living behind an admired company in the nutritional wellness space that has defined a new way of doing business in a sustainable way. Um, we believe that we as businesses can succeed financially, but at the same time also achieving something that is bigger than the company itself, which is true change in society, in the environment, uh, and in the way we run our business. And I will also want people to remember me as someone that made a difference in their lives, both personally and professionally. And, and I love when I still uh, WhatsApp with friends that I had or colleagues that became friends back 25 years ago. Uh, for me, it's a source of pride that, you know, even when I started my career, I dealt with people that today are still sending me and uh, we still exchange during uh, holiday seasons. So for me, long-lasting relationships um, driven by the contribution that we made to each other in our lives, both ways, by the way, it's, it's very, very important. And that's, that's a much bigger legacy than living in a company that is in a good uh, financial condition. Of course, that's important, um, but those cycles come up and down. So I think what prevails over time is the notion of um, being resilient as a business, which is driven by a strong set of values and a strong sense of purpose. And for us at Dole, our purpose is to really champion for a much more equitable world in the space of nutrition. Uh, and we believe we can do that by doing business in a way that we can transform and disrupt the industry in the area of packaging, in the area of carbon emissions, in the area of nutrition, as we also work together with our partners, farmers, growers, in a way that they can all see value and long-term prosperity together with Dole. As much as I saw that myself with the dreams of my parents, I see that's a dream of Dole as well. And I believe that if I can do that, I would say it was worth the effort, the long weekends, the actual hard work and the long nights that um, ended up turning into something that would last for life. As I said, you know, we want this business to last for another 120 years. And I would like to see a time before I came and a time after I left, being a time of progress, development, purpose, and, and uh, success that uh, we haven't seen in a long time. And that's what I strive for every single day. Pierluigi, thank you so much for sharing your own personal story, your wisdom, your top tips uh, with our Weekwell listeners. Thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure, Katie. Thanks so much. All the best. 
You have been listening to Weekwell Unfiltered Podcast. Weekwell works with the world's largest companies to help bring about gender equality, starting with 50-50 gender parity at executive committee level. You can learn more at weekwell.com. Weekwell Unfiltered is written and produced by Katie Litchfield and Sean Smith.